You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, uh, Caroline Yuki. She is known as the cash flow queen. She's a sales deal maker. She helps a lot of different types of CEOs position their business messages for success, nail their sales pitch, and win more clients effortlessly. Excuse me. She's uh, an award-winning female entrepreneur and um, MBA student as well. She's also a real estate investor. She's been involved in um, you know, manufacturing and uh, multifamily. Obviously, we're going to talk about a lot on here um, as both a general partner and a limited partner. And we're going to talk about um, you know, some mistakes that uh, Caroline has seen uh, in her experience in the real, commercial real estate industry when we talk about uh, syndications, meaning you know, you're aggregating amounts of capital to acquire a large apartment building or any type of asset you couldn't acquire on your own or you're bringing in, you know, buckets of investors. And then obviously you have the general partner, which is the GP who is running the deal and basically the main point of contact. And then the limited partner who's still a partner in the deal. So it's, it's just more of a passive capacity. So you have an active and passive, uh, both different roles in of the commercial real estate syndication business. So Caroline has is kind of seen it all and uh, going to talk about some of her experiences to help her get to where she is today and to, that has helped her grow um, her business uh, moving forward. So thanks for coming on, Caroline. Of course, excited to be here. Great. So you want to talk to us about uh, your experience um, in real estate investing in general and kind of how you got started and some of the lessons you learned along the way? Sure, of course. So so, um, in my my last life, I was an engineer. So doing a lot of manufacturing startup plants, you know, traveling around the world and basically bouncing between different cities every 18 months, building manufacturing plants. And the turning point for me was after Thanksgiving, my boss, the um, manufacturing director told me that, you know, he needed to have a meeting with me. And at first I thought I hadn't seen him for a year. This is great. Maybe it's about my good performance with that recent, you know, manufacturing plant that I just started up. And then he, um, he said like, okay, well, we'll meet up at this time. So then I show up for the meeting and he says, oh, we got to pull an H char for this meeting. And I thought, oh my gosh, my heart just sank because I had heard that there were certain businesses, you know, cutting budget and all that, but I think didn't think it was going to impact me. So I remember that that walk down to HR just thinking like, holy crap, like I can't believe this is happening to me. Like I'm just like rising, you know, at the, you know, at the peak of my engineering career. And so when he took me to the HR office, I just had this feeling already. It's like, wow, I can't believe this is it's me. Like why, why me? And then, so then the HR manager tells me, it's like, okay, you know, like, you know, there's budget cuts and He's explained to me, it's nothing performance related. You performed really well, but every one of the senior engineers, they've gone through these cuts two times already. So the ones we have left are the very best. We cannot afford to lose. You're still young, Caroline. You can bounce back from this really quickly. We have full confidence in you. So don't take this as a setback. We are fully confident you will find another job. And even though 
they said that, but it still really hurts because it feels like you're redundant, right? And I remember the HR manager looking at me and she's like, I totally understand how you feel. And my boss had left the room and I was like holding up my tears and she hands me a tissue box. And she says, I, I totally understand how you feel, Caroline, because after I hand out these packages in, in this building for, for our business, like they're letting me go too. And I just thought like, wow, it's like, I can't believe it's this point. So I remember that feeling of um, just feeling like, like, wow, who am I without my role type? Because up to that point, I was just so excited, happy about my career and all that. And then that's when I revisited back, you know, basically the concepts of passive, you know, investing and trying to build your own wealth and all that. And then started looking into real estate investing. And I got into uh, rental property investing and I had invested probably $50,000 in education education, learning about real estate investing, it covered everything from wholesale, flipping, um, basically, like looking at, you know, project management, construction management, it also covered, like, basically, like, if you want to do the turnkey house being mobile housing, it was just a lot of education. So I think, um, going through all that, it's very exciting, you're basically going to all these conferences, meeting all these other excited, you know, want to be real estate investors. So my, my first learning there was that there is so many avenues to become a real estate investor and I think well I don't know if I could call it a mistake because looking back then like I just didn't know which path I want to go so one month I would be focused on foreclosure and going to auctions and then the next month I was writing direct mails you know looking at the ugly houses looking which ones to flip doing the burr method and then the third month they'll teach us a new method about marketing and then you're sending out postcards so it was very shiny object syndrome so Anthony, I think like one of the learnings yeah, from there is like, you know how they say focus on one path. Like I think going through so much real estate education, it's really difficult to know which path is really suitable for what you're looking for. And what I learned after doing the house flip, the rental property, rental property management is really, it's more of an internal question because no matter where we go, there's someone who's super successful with mobile parks. There's someone super successful with self-storage units. There's someone successful rental property. There's always success story. And then if you want to look for horror stories, there's that too. So like every area, there's that. So one of the things I learned is we really also have to self-reflect and ask our ourselves like how much time do I want to spend on this and what kind of problems am I willing to deal with because that's when we're really honest with ourselves if we know we don't like to roll up our sleeves get on the construction site then maybe house flipping is not really ideal for us because then we're just basically solely relying on the construction manager or the general contractor to do all the decisions and if you have a great one that's that works out well but if you can't find one that's reliable then it could really turn into a nightmare so the first lesson I learned there on my real estate journey was around like really about um, understanding your own entrepreneurship personality, like what, how much time, energy, and also what kind of problems do you enjoy working with? Which ones do you not want to deal with? So you can really customize and make your own real estate investor, you know, customize, you know, because there's, there's always so many success stories out there. So that's, that's my first learning there. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I like how you, you took your education seriously and you invested, you know, a significant amount of money, more than most people are willing to invest in their education. Even, you know, if they didn't study real estate in school, they still got to learn it somehow. So it's um, it's pretty admirable for you to spend that much and learn this much. So uh, through all that education, I guess, what did you learn? I guess, 
where, where did it get you to? So what, what did you enjoy doing? Did you like being on the construction site? Did you like being more active or did you want to be more active in a different capacity than, you know, um, flip, you know, kind of like the residential single family home flipping business or, you know, have, did you find something else more passively or a combination of both active and passive, but just not, you know, on the site, um, and managing tenants, you know, the three T's, toilets, tenants. And yeah, termites. great question. Yeah, yeah. It, I feel like it's almost like that feeling when you're a student and you're like job hunting. And then as an engineer, there's you go into research or you go into production engineering or design engineering. It's one of three. And having not done any yet, it's really difficult to say like, oh, I think I would really enjoy production or I think I'm, until you do it, like at least for me, like I felt like I was one of those people, like I had to do it first and then I could reflect back. It's like, okay, I finished it, but probably not a second one, but I'm glad I went through it. So I know what 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 is required to do the job right. Um, for me, I, I started out active investing because a lot of those education programs, it's all about wholesale flipping, finding that first deal of past students who, you know, flipped, you know, wholesale deals, houses, and they made these big checks and all that. Um, and they do tell you it's going to be a lot of work. You're sending out cards, direct mail, you're knocking on down looking for ugly houses so I I enjoyed the hunt aspect of that like I really enjoyed hunting for the deal and I also understood the the endurance that's required to make it work like I remember during my lunch breaks writing letters to homeowners and then later on years they became apartment owners like writing them letters of my interest to buy their property my LOI letter of intent and all that and for the apartment it took me like writing 121 letters before I got my first response so it takes a lot of endurance like it's going you know like certain marketing routes and all that and then went about passive investing because that wasn't a concept to me like I thought about you know just actively house flipping. And then when I learned about passive investing, like, oh, there's this such thing that you can actually invest, you know, like a, an amount in somebody else's house flip, and then you just relax and they do the house flip and then you get a profit share. So that was a new concept to me. So when I took a step back from the house, in some um, somebody else's house flip, somebody who I knew well, and I trusted they were going to do a job that was in Seattle. And and to me, like that was a really great feeling because I was like, wow, all I got to do is just go visit the progress. They send me updates. I was like, wow. And then over time, you know, that mine grew, I got to see the whole transition before, after I got to see it go on market. It sold a week later. And I was just amazed, like, wow, this is really nice. And that, Anthony, is how I started exploring more. It's like, what else can I do, you know, that's more in this area of the past investing? And then I learned in that education, they taught us commercial real estate as well. So we learned the shopping centers, the apartments, the self-storage. And that's when I um, when I was learning about the deal analysis of apartments and self-storage, that's when that light bulb hit me. I'm like, wow, this is incredible, the economies of scale. So that's when I got really excited about, yeah, the commercial real estate. Got it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you, you, you basically learned what you liked and you started to started to do it. So talk to us about, you know, it sounds like you invested in a passive capacity on a flip deal, which went well. And then you got into some other investments too. Can you tell us how those went and kind of what you learned from yes, stepping absolutely. it up? 
Yeah, absolutely. So after I invested in, in, in the um, house flipping and all that, and I was learning about the commercial side of things. So I was working on a shopping center project. So that is like a whole different world as well, because you're like looking at different tenants, leases, trying to figure out how to piece them together. And then my friend was telling me about apartment investing and she was going into that. So apartment investing, I remember when I was learning how to do the due diligence, I thought like, wow, this is incredible. The numbers are great. So I was just really excited just to find an apartment deals that I could invest in. And because I had just got this money back from all this house flipping. So I was basically looking to hunt for another deal that I can basically invest in. I had gone to these real estate conferences again. And sure enough, there's different multifamily, you know, GP sponsors out there, they're handing out their business cards and they're introducing themselves. So I remember coming across a, a doctor investor and he hands over his card. He's like, yes, he's, you know, he's basically raising money for his deal. And, you know, he's a doctor, so he must do business with integrity. He must treat his investors well. So I didn't really, um, I just really didn't think about it he because <laughs> uh, Dallas, Texas, which is just four hours away from where I live, which I knew was a growing area and city. So I, I know the, the area they were going to invest in. And although I did not really know him or know the team, I just figured like, well, Dallas is a great place. I invested my money in there um, back in 2018. And during the, the process, after it closed, I remember getting updates like, oh, we're having these issues. It's not going well. Um, we're going to change property management company. And then three months later, again, it's like we're having a lot of these issues with rent collections. We're going to change another property management company. So over the three years and um, I guess this year that finally we're able to sell it and everything. Basically what I put in was the same money I got back and I'm grateful for any money, but at the same time, you manage a lot of these assets, right? And you would say, if you just deliver the same thing the investor put in Anthony, you would say that's not a great return, right? Yeah. <laughs> After four years in, in, in a, in a Metro city like Dallas. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that was, you know, it's painful for me. And I, a lot of the, I think the learning is that I, I did not do my, um, do any re research or do GP of the role. And it was later on, I was in these other real estate conferences, us or real estate investors breakfast. And it just so happened that maybe because the multifamily space is small, there were other people talking about how they got ripped off by a promise a certain percentage when they were raising funds and they were not paid. And then how he continued on the deal and just dismissed paying them. And then I didn't just hear that from one person, but it was the same investor that I had invested with. And so it just shows that um, the multifamily, you know, all like people do talk and basically bad business practices like people do talk about it and sure enough um yeah so it, it wasn't just me have even people on his gp team who are working with him and then his sponsor also made a code this was the experience working with him he had heard of him and 
same thing like me, figured he was a doctor, he did things really solid. And he said that he never attended any of the team meetings. Um, whenever the operations was not doing well, he did not jump in to try to figure out how to get get it out of the red. Like he basically, and he did not like looking at the account balances. Like he said, it makes him dizzy. So <laughs> you, you're looking at, you're like, you're also frowning. He's like, what kind of asset manager or GP would say that? Every yeah. day. <laughs> exactly. It's like you got to love looking at the P&L, making sure numbers are right and all that because you're looking out for other people's money. So, um, yeah, so, so I learned that it's like, okay, people can look really shiny and everything looks good on social media because he still posts a lot on social media showing like, hey, this is a deal I did. I just closed on a Dallas deal. So he's still saying that like, yeah, I closed all these deals, but nobody really knows what the numbers are like. They don't know that it didn't actually perform well. And um, I think I also let things trip up me. Like he was on the Forbes Real Estate Council, which I don't know what the criteria is to get on that. But I guess there's, you know, certain criteria you, like, okay, you pay for it. Real Estate Council. It's like a nomination. Yeah. So, so things like that. I got tricked. So I just wanted to share with your com- community, Anthony, because I know that, you know, there's other passive investors looking for good deals. And, a lot of times we're attending these remote, these webinars remotely. We don't meet this person, this person and we're basically trusting a friend through a friend. It's like, hey, I heard of this person or I'm raising money for this deal. And so we're trusting our friend that they know them and they've done their due diligence on them. And sometimes, you know, that we still got to... Um, we still got to be able to talk to the people that actually worked with or past investors and with real estate investing or multifamily investings, we don't have the Yelp reviews or ways to really see what other investors see of them other than, I guess, Anthony, would you say you just have to go meet these people yourself or how would you go about yeah, and Caroline, a Yeah, Right. You, you make a lot of great points and I think it's excellent to share a story like that for our audience to figure out how we can properly vet uh, sponsors or general partners moving forward. So, you know, the same mistakes don't get made. And, you know, what I look at and what I hear time and time again from people, investors that I want to bring on, you know, and there's some I don't want to bring on, um, mm-hmm. but the ones that I, I like bringing on are the ones that do ask, do, 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 their, their, do, do their due diligence up front okay. because I know, you know, if, if I take their money, they might ask questions later. I'd rather them ask it up front, get everybody transparent on the same page, and and then we can move forward in you know a positive way. And it's you know everybody's on the same page. It's it, that's important. Um, you know, I do like to look at you know track record is a big one. So I'm not sure if the doctor you invested with had prior deals and they went well. Um, you know, return metrics, case studies. Uh, what have you done on other deals? You know, um, that's, that's number one. And, and a lot of times there's references to investor references Did the sponsor or the general partner do, you know, what they said they were going to do, or did they under promise over deliver? Did they meet expectations? Did they underperform? Those are all, you know, important questions to ask. And then obviously, yes, Caroline face to face is a hundred percent better than zoom in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I have, you know, clients from all over the country um, who I haven't met in person. I, I met most of them, to be honest with you, at some point, um, but uh, not not 100% necessary, but I think you need to do a little bit more 
due diligence if you if you're not meeting them. But uh, I do rec I do like to meet everybody face to face if you can. Sometimes you know when sponsors have a hundred investors, it's hard to meet everybody. But you should be making the time, in my opinion, to meet everybody because if you don't do that, you know when something goes wrong or a sponsor or a, a, a passive investor reports you to the SEC and you did nothing wrong and now you're caught up in a bunch of nonsense that's not necessary. Well, maybe if you just sat with them and grabbed a cup of coffee for 10 minutes um, and communicated your business plan, you wouldn't have problems. So I definitely agree with you. So um, so how are you vetting deals moving forward and investments moving forward? What are some ways um, you've learned? I've, I've learned to, to ask about the details of their performance. Like, I think a lot of times the bio says like, oh, they've got this many properties under management, this many doors, this many millions, like that, we just see those highlights. But knowing, like you said, the key numbers, like how did it perform versus um, compared to what was their investor webinar pitch? What what was the return they said they were going to get the financial projections? And what did they actually reach? I mean, that's important to know, because anybody can say like, hey, I have 3000 doors, 7000 doors. But like, what what did they actually add value to it? And how what did the past investors say? I think that's that's important. And what what I've learned also is um, just also just probably doing also my understanding more about the, the underwriting, because I remember having this, um, I drove by the property once and I remember just having this feeling, it's like kind of feeling doubtful. It's like, are they really going to be able to raise the rents? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, like I was just like feeling like, like I guess my gut feeling when I drove by neighborhoods, like I'm not sure like this neighborhood like would really appreciate the renovations and all that. And um, but then I thought, well, they've been doing it for like 15, 20 years already. Like, who am I to ask them and question it? So I learned that even questions like maybe for me, like I probably felt bashful because I was the one who's new to the apartment investing world and they were the 15 year experience so like that, that it's OK to ask. <laughs> Right. Yeah, because it's in the end, it's my money and all that. And I, sh yeah, should have pressed further to ask those questions. Yep. Yeah, so absolutely. those are things that I learned in hindsight. Absolutely. I like the fact that, you, you know, and also going to the property, ideally with the sponsor, if you can. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's not always possible. But, but going physically to the property, checking it out yourself is also something I recommend um, as well for passive investors. So, um, awesome. Uh, well, so what are you up to now in terms of your world and how can my audience learn more about you, reach out to you and connect with you? Uh, sure. Thank you, Anthony. So I'm currently have a, um, a social enterprise project called Bold Millionaire. So, um, it was inspired by a friend of mine who, like basically she was taking care of her husband when he passed away from cancer and then, when he did pass, she was just overwhelmed with how to manage finances. And so she didn't know what to do. And so she sought out a wealth advisor and then later on realized she got scammed $300,000. And what I tell people is the moral story isn't, you know, don't trust wealth advisors, bad people out there. It really is that we, at the end of the day, like we're responsible for our own money investment decisions. So we need to build up that financial literacy. And the reason why we have other people make decisions for us oftentimes is that we don't trust our own decisions enough. So we'd rather somebody else make decisions for us. 
And that can be very risky. So I started a, a, a nonprofit um, social enterprise project, like educating women in investing so they can feel more money investing confidence with their decisions. And so that's boldmillionaire.com. And basically it helps go past, you know, not the basic check balances and all that, but more of that advanced, you know, like, how do I look at investments? How do I vet out mutual funds or real estate funds just to have that better knowledge so that when they do talk to these different, you know, asset managers or advisors, they are, they come prepared and they understand more of the the knowledge and the, the language that they use and they feel more comfortable with the conversation and they can be prepared for those decisions and all that. I love it. So for my audience, check it out. It's boldmillionaire.com, you said? Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. That's a great uh, website title. So boldmillionaire.com, check that out. And they can reach out to you directly on there? Yes. Uh-huh. I got all the emails and newsletters. Yes. Excellent. Well, definitely uh, encourage my audience to check that out. Connect with Caroline. Reach out to her. Uh, see what she's up to. And really appreciated the conversation today. And Uh, If you liked what you heard and or saw, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our message get out to a greater audience. So definitely thank you again for your time and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Anthony.